Hello and welcome. My name is Father William Maestri, and this is another edition of Gabriel's Trumpet. And today we turn our attention to Tuesday of the first week of Advent. And we have a rather interesting reading that the Church holds up for us today in our second week of this holy season of Advent as we prepare for the birth of the Messiah. It comes uh, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 21 to 24. But right before this particular passage that the church offers us to read, uh, an interesting episode happens. It's uh, Luke 10, 17 to 20. Jesus has sent the disciples out to preach and to teach, but also to heal and to exercise. What I mean by that is he invites them to perform exorcisms. That is, they drive out Satan, they drive out the evil spirits through their word and through their touch and through their teaching. In other words, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so they come back, oh, and they're just, they're just beside themselves and all of the great things that they have accomplished. Uh, they uh, were successful in their preaching, successful in their teaching, and certainly successful in their spiritual and in their physical ability to heal. Of course, this is all through the working of the Holy Spirit, which they seem to have lost sight of. The working of the Holy Spirit is a very important theme in the Gospel of St. Luke, very important right from the beginning, uh, with the Annunciation uh, to Elizabeth as well as the Annunciation to Mary and really throughout the whole of the Gospel of St. Luke, the Holy Spirit plays a key role in the life and ministry of Jesus, and of course, in the beginning of the church, because Luke is also the author of the Acts of the Apostles, really a kind of insider's look into the origin of the church and the workings of the early church, especially centering on the two great apostles, St. Peter and St. Paul. But in this particular episode, chapter 10, verse 21 to 24, which follows their exuberance in which Jesus tells them that they shouldn't be happy or rejoicing. That's another uh, very powerful Lucan theme, rejoicing in the Holy Spirit. He says, do not, be, do not be rejoicing because the spirits are subject to you, because you've had all this success. Rejoice because your names are written in the book of life. In other words, beyond the success, because what they also have to realize is that there will be failure. There will be setbacks. There will be rejections. In other words, there will be the cross. And that's always the danger with an enthusiasm. Uh, it's great to be enthusiastic when things are going well. You know, blue skies, green lights, no problem. But what happens when you hit a speed bump? or you get into a head-on crash, what happens? Well, it's easy then to become despondent, despairing, and simply to give up and move on to something else. But in the Holy Spirit, one perseveres through blue skies and green lights, but also through storms and winds and waves that come into everyone's life, everyone's life but the Holy Spirit is present within us through our baptism, 
to sustain us in whatever vocation God has called us to, the married life, the single life, religious life, the clerical life, whatever it is, whatever it happens to be. Uh, God calls us to that and sustains us through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the communion of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in this particular passage that's held up for our meditation on this Tuesday of the first week of Advent, again, comes by way of Luke chapter 10, verse 21 to 24. We see that after this particular episode took place, the one where they come back and are rejoicing, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. And he says, I offer you praise, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth. I offer you praise, Father. See, Jesus always directs his ministry upward to the Father. Because you have hidden from the learned and the clever and have revealed to the merest children. Uh, the mystery of who Jesus is, the mystery of the Father, because to know Jesus is to know the Father. And if you know the Father, if you really know the Father, really experience and have that communion with the Father, you know that Jesus is the beloved Son. And so the importance there is, uh, is that God, the Father, has hidden this from the learned and the clever. Why? Well, because there's a kind of pride that develops, a kind of intellectual pride, a kind of pride that says, well, I know all of this because I'm so intelligent. I, I, I study so hard. I've worked so hard. I've done this on my own. Or we see it as a reward for our virtue, for our goodness. I'm so good. I'm, I'm, I'm close to being perfect. All of that is rubbish in the eyes of God. It's all the working of the Holy Spirit and therefore, we are to become as merest children. Merest children. Doesn't mean to be childish. There's a difference between becoming childlike and childish. Uh, to become childish is to be kind of silly and frivolous. Uh, we don't really see the depth of, of a thing or an experience or of a person. Uh, we deal on the surface of things, and our attention is is quickly diverted to something else, as you know, uh, especially at this time of the year. During Advent and as we approach Christmas, uh, children are practically uh, jumping out of their pajamas. Uh, they're so excited. And so <clears throat> to be childlike is to be humble, is to be trusting, is to have faith in those around us and ultimately in Almighty God. Children are very trusting. Children uh, take us at our word. Uh, we call them innocent, the innocence of a child, because they have reached that age uh, and have developed enough to maybe ask questions, to have curiosity. Children are very curious. And they trust us that we indeed will give them the truth and also those things that are good for us. And there is a humility, there is an innocence there that the learned and the clever who always believe it's because of them or their craftiness uh, that they're able 
to uh, somehow get ahead or to understand deep things, they fail to see that it's really a gift from Almighty God. Jesus holds up merest children as an example of humility. Now, humility is a tough virtue to talk about because it has to avoid two extremes. On one extreme are those who are proud of their humility. I'm the most humble person I know. Well, are you proud of being the most humble? Then obviously you have a problem with humility. Uh, if your humility becomes your pride, rather than humility has an acknowledgement of our need, of our dependency, and the gifts that God has given us, all is gift, all is grace. And it's when we begin to think it is we ourselves, that's where the problems arise. Uh, that's where either disappointment sets in, or we begin to become perfectionistic, or we begin to uh, turn on ourselves as somehow being not adequate in all of those kinds of feelings, which mess up so much of life, especially our relationships and our view of ourselves. So one extreme to avoid is to be proud of your humility. The other extreme, the other extreme, is to somehow believe that God has given you nothing. Someone comes up and compliments you on a talent that you have, a skill that you've developed. Uh, maybe something you were born with. You're a very attractive person. You have a nice personality. Uh, you look good. Uh, you have strength. Uh, whatever the gift may be. And you say, oh, no, not, no, not really. It's, it's not much. Well, you know, it's just one of those things. I, I don't know. Uh, there's a lot there's a lot more people who are smarter than I am and all of this kind of stuff. In other words, we run down the gift. And in doing so, and this is crucial, if you run down the gift, you run down the giver, which means you run down God. Or if you say, well, I don't really have any skills or any abilities. I don't have any talents. We used to say once upon a time, God doesn't make junk, and God doesn't. God made us in his image and likeness. God wants to spend all eternity with us and wants us to spend all eternity with him. God doesn't simply create us and then forget about us. God continues to nurture us, care for us, working with us and in us and through us each and every day. So though, and, and, and what happens is we, we tend then to demean ourselves. We play those tapes in our head. No talent, no gifts, nothing to contribute, worthless. And it goes on and on and on. And uh, <clears throat> that's really not the way that God intended. What is humility? Humility, first of all, is grounded and essentially grounded in truth. You have, it's the truth about yourself. Uh, and um, the Greek philosophers knew that, didn't they? Uh, you know, know thyself. Know thyself. That's, that's the first and most important thing for the Greek philosophers. That self-knowledge. We know so many people, maybe ourselves included to some extent, um, we're so self-ignorant. 
we don't understand. We, we don't see what we're doing, how we're acting, what, how we say, what we say rather. It hurts other people. Our actions can be very offensive and insensitive to really the, the legitimate needs and sensitivities of others. Uh, we can be very self-ignorant about our own limitations. I can do anything I want. Well, I play tennis a great deal. I play basketball and baseball and so on. I'm never going to play at Wimbledon. I'm never going to be in the NFL. And I'm never going to dunk a basketball. And I'm never going to play in the World Series. I would like to, but that's nonsense. That's not possible. And so we have to be careful when we say, well, I can do anything I want. We have real limitations for those of you that are Clint Eastwood fans. Man's got to know his limits. And knowing your limits is a great blessing. It's a great blessing because it reminds us that where our limits end, others may very well step in if we let them to complete and to fulfill what's lacking in us as we may be able to do the same for another person. It's not that we're better. It's that as St. Paul says in his letter to the Romans, through the Holy Spirit, we have gifts differing. A differing gift does not mean a better gift. It means just that, it's a different gift. And it's the ability to blend those gifts, to, to be open to receive those gifts, to say, I don't know how to do that, or I don't do that well. Could you show me how? Or could you help me with this project? Uh, maybe I can be of assistance to you in this area. That's where the mutuality and complementarity come into play. This is very important, for example, in a marriage relationship. It's not a competition. It's a mutuality, a complementarity. Woman, wife, gives to a man, and the man who has gifts differing from the wife gives to her, and the two become one flesh. Friends do that for each other. Our relatives, our associates, not to be threatened by the gifts of others, but to thank God that they're there, and especially if they're offered to us. It's not a sign of weakness. It's not a sign of weakness to seek help, appreciate help, and it's a great blessing to be able to also give, not to, not to hoard our gifts. Oh, if I do that, maybe they'll get ahead of me. Maybe they'll look better than me. My goodness, a talent and a gift is not a selfish possession. Uh, and so Jesus, Jesus is saying it's the merest children, merest children, that, that, that has that sense of innocence, uh, that sense of limitations, but of trust and of faith, that the person who's in charge, in this case, Almighty God and the Holy Spirit, that we are being led to what is good and what is right, not only for ourselves, but for those around us. So who is the, the very model the very epitome of humility is Jesus Christ. 
Jesus says, learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart. Meek and humble of heart. Jesus is always directing everything he does to the Father. That's, that's the key. He, he never directs it to himself. He directs it to the Father, in this case, in the Holy Spirit. Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit, St. Luke tells us. And I offer you praise, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Jesus doesn't claim that title. He directs it to the Father. His praise is not to himself. It's to the Father. He offers thanksgiving to the Father. And that comes through that wonderful gift of humility in the Holy Spirit. So when, when we are praised or honored or acknowledged in some way, we don't need to become filled with pride. Nor should we uh, belittle or devalue the gift. What we should do is acknowledge it and offer it. What a blessing we would be and what a blessing it is to us. We're not always looking sideways or around to see who's gaining on us, who looks better than we do. It's a terrible way to, to exist. It's very stressful. Um, it's like living life, if you want, on a seesaw. If I go up, you have to go down. If you go up, I have to go down. That's really not the way life should be lived. Life should not be lived that way. Life is more like uh, a merry-go-round, if you will. That uh, the beginning and the end, each person ends up in that particular place. And we each have an opportunity to help others as they to us. It's a great, it's a great gift to be able to accept help. To acknowledge the help of others, to be grateful for that, and to call attention to that. We don't always have to be in the spotlight. We don't always have to have the lead. We don't always have to be the star of the show or the star of the game. Sometimes it's those little ordinary things that we do that some people will never appreciate because they'll never even understand it. But God does. As Jesus tells the disciples right in that preceding chapter, uh, verse section, uh, uh, chapter 10, uh, 17 to 20, he says, do not rejoice on these great things that you've accomplished because it's really the Holy Spirit working through you. But rejoice that your name is written in the book of life. To go through life with humility the truth of who we are, the truth of life itself, and the truth that life is gift. To be able to do that is a great blessing. And we can have that blessing if we open ourselves to the indwelling Holy Spirit. And each day, each and every day, but especially in this holy season of Advent, we pause throughout the day, perhaps more than once, and we say, I praise you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth. And we rejoice in the Holy Spirit. It brings us ever closer 
to that stable and to that crib in Bethlehem. For there we find the one who is humility itself, the Son of God, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, in a crib, in swaddling clothes, our Lord and our Savior, the promised one, the Messiah. That's his beginning. That's his origin. He invites us to know the peace and the joy of living a truly humble life. Well, I hope this brief reflection has been a blessing to you and perhaps to your family and to those whom you share it with. And uh, tomorrow is, of course, Wednesday of the first week of Advent. And uh, we'll hopefully have uh, another reflection for you that will help you during this holy season, will be of assistance to you through the Holy Spirit to the glory of the Father to bring you ever closer each day to that holy city of salvation, the city of Bethlehem. God bless you all.